Okay. You know, in the beginning of spring, you're kind of just trying to work on, you know, the mechanics, kind of working on those combinations. I think over, you know, this outing, the next one, I think the mindset changed a little bit. Like, okay, uh, we kind of feel really good where everything's at. Now let's just go out there and compete, you know. So you kind of want to just get in this uh, opening day, um, you know, having that feel of competitiveness and competing, not just tinkering things. Well, happy first day of spring, Mr. Barker. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. You too, and everybody listening. Yeah, that was Alec Manoa uh, after his start yesterday in a one nothing loss to the Tampa Bay Rays. And we had Pete Walker on a couple of days ago, Kevin. And one of the things we asked Pete what you expect to see now or how you, uh, how he would judge the next gosh, we live the final week of spring training. And he said, well, you'd like to see things ramped up a bit. You'd, you'd like to see guys starting to approach things as if it was a regular season game. Boy, we saw that from Alec Manoa yesterday. Uh, he was really good. You know, one of the, the talking points for Alec Manoa all spring has been the changeup. But in a more general sense, Kevin, attacking left-handed batters, that's something that he's wanted to work on. And we had a situation yesterday where he got Wander Franco and uh, Josh Lowe looking on a sinker with a man in third base to get out of a bit of a jam. Both of those guys left-handed. One guy a switch hitter, the other guy a left-handed batter. And that's, I mean, that's been a point of emphasis for him is attacking those as good as he was last year. To take the next step forward, I think we agree, Kevin. He needs to be able to attack lefties a little better. Yeah, I don't know. Attack might be the wrong word. He he just needs to make better pitches to arm side. Arm side is a big deal. You notice with him, you know, I think he had 16 hit batters last year. Uh, 15 of those, I think, were righties. It's the arm side. It's the run on that. It's the, you know, you're a big fella. <clears throat> How do you keep everything connected, go down the mountain, land in the same spot, have the same release point? Uh, and you see it, right? When he does something wrong, he'll self-correct on the mound, which for me is is one of his biggest strengths is he knows how to do it, repeat it. If he doesn't do it right, he knows how to self-correct it and, and doesn't do it, you know, bad a couple of times in a row. Yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> he threw 71 pitches yesterday, threw seven change-ups. I, I think it's more of, you know, you you feel comfortable enough with it that if you need it, you can go to it. And I don't think up until this point, I know they had conversations, they've said it out loud. Petey's even said that on our show when he came on, that that changeup's going to be a big deal. He'll throw it to lefties and righties. I, you said it to me before we went on the air. It is about fastball command. It'll always be about that. For whatever reason, his 93 plays 97, 98, 99. Whatever reason that is, never stood in against him. I have talked to people that have faced him that say it's sneaky. You see it late. And I think that for me is what he's sort of talking about is, you know, if I got the fastball command, I can dot that to a lefty away. I can elevate it with two strikes. And, oh, by the way, I can put it in their mind that I do got a really good changeup. That only makes my slider, my fastball command, and my changeup when I can when I can throw it that much better. So, yeah, he's he's uh, he's turning himself into an elite guy. You know, he's, he's, he's one of those situations in spring training where, you know, he's not trying to earn a spot. That's a big deal between the years. You can go out there and work on it. The last couple of starts, you can go out and try and refine it, fix it, do whatever it is you need to do, compete with it, eliminate people. And Blue Jays are in good hands having him every five days, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he looked uh, he looked he looked really good yesterday. Uh was caught by Rob Brantley. Alejandro Kirk was a late scratch with a non-COVID, uh, a non-COVID illness. Uh, 
The Jays are in Lakeland this afternoon to take on the Detroit Tigers. And uh, we'll have the game streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590. It'll also be in the TV side. Kiermaier, Espinal, Guerrero. He'll be at first base. Jansen behind the plate. Lucas Capra, Bernard uh, Clement, and Rob Brantley pinch hitting. Kevin Gossman will, uh, will make the trip over to, uh, to Lakeland. Uh, the World Baseball Classic continues today with Mexico taking on Japan. The winner goes on to play the United States. The United States... Who? What? Stop it. The United States beating Venezuela. Clearly the fix was in. Atrocious, of course they did. Atrocious umpiring. And uh, in, intentionally throwing at Jose Altuve. You said uh, something about the umpires. His, fracturing his thumb. How dare you. Fracturing dare Jose you. Altuve's thumb. I love the umpires. And, um, They've been doing a great job yeah, in that yeah, WBC. Yeah. Wonderful I mean, job. Let's face it. Let's face it. And we're going to be joined by David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal, the podcast with David Sampson, CBS Sports Analyst, former president of the Miami Marlins. He was involved in the game when this whole World Baseball Classic, the whole concept came up. We're going to talk to him about the risk and reward here. Jose Altuve, he's done for a while because of that fractured thumb. Of course, Edwin Diaz lost for the year with a patellar tendon injury. And, of course, that is... That has you know, raised the stakes in terms of the debate surrounding the World Baseball Classic. Now, we've already mentioned Gavin Lux. He was hurt this year in a regular spring training game. Sunday, Juan Soto was forced to leave a game with a left oblique injury. I mean, again, injuries happen during spring training. That's what I've said. Nothing good ever happens when spring training starts. It just doesn't. It's all – there's that, that six-week period – from the opening of spring training until the start of opening day is basically trying to keep everybody away from the sharp objects. So we'll talk to David Sampson about that and, uh, and, and take a harder look at the world baseball classic. Kevin, I want to, I do want to bring it back. Uh, I, I do want to bring it back to the blue Jays, however, and in particular, I want to talk about Matt Chapman and Dalton Varsho. I'm not even going to mention their numbers because spring training numbers are irrelevant. Are they? Hmm. Are they irrelevant? Yeah. For those two guys, it is. Okay. Uh, they're, they're fortunate enough. Obviously, obviously, Matt Chapman's not going anywhere. You're not releasing him. You're not sending him down. You know, he's added the toe tap. Everybody I've talked to about the toe tap, it, it was intriguing when we had Ben Wagner on, and, and you know he, he basically sounded like the conversations that he's had with people and Matt Chapman is he really doesn't know what the toe tap's doing. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the thing that I'm getting from it, too. And it'd be intriguing because of what he's trying to earn throughout this season, which is yeah. a big, giant deal. I mean, when you're talking $200 million, that's a big number to give a guy who's going to hit in a seven-hole and a good team. That's a lot. But we'll talk about that towards the end of the season. It's just the – it's the going into spring training. How much confidence in it would you have if it was just – if it dis- didn't work out for you, would you continue to go back to it? And I think that's where he's at and be intriguing to see. Varsho, look, he's a left-handed Matt Chapman. He's got a lot of all or nothing in it. The people I've talked to with the Diamondbacks that's watched him will say he will frustrate you offensively when it comes to he'll miss balls right down the middle that you'll go, what? How are you missing those pitches? And I think that's a little bit what you're seeing here is he's a dead pull hitter. Uh, you know, he's a young guy. 
Uh, he's asked to do a lot. And this is what I said about this coming in when they signed him. Defensively, athletic, we know those t- two things. He's going to be that. He's going to catch more balls in left field. He's going to run the bases a little bit better. He'll score on some balls that you wouldn't think guys should be scoring on. Offensively, that's where you're wondering what you're going to get from him. And I think they're going to do the right thing by putting him down at the bottom of the order. I'm not even sure he's a five-hole hitter. Mm -hmm. I know they're going to try and go that righty-lefty. It seems like if Belts hit and clean up, you'd have Kirk hitting fifth, maybe Varsho sixth, maybe Chapman seventh. So you have that lefty-righty-lefty-righty thing. But for me, this is what I said. You know, maybe you give a shorter leash when it comes to because Brandon Belts won some World Series, been around a little longer. You could put him in the cleanup spot. Varsho, I'm just not sure what you're getting. I is he going to get more home runs because the fences are closer and it's it's definitely closer in right center field? I know it's taller at the Rogers Center and the American League's got some shorter ballparks. Probably, maybe. I guess you could argue that. But he is there. There is some. He's going to have some bumps in the roads. He, he's going to have some balance issue. He's going to have some timing issues. He's going to try too hard because he's a younger guy. He's going to try too hard because it's the Blue Jays and not the Diamondbacks. And Jeff, it's. That's the thing. Does his numbers matter in spring training? I'm sure if you walk up to him, he would think, yeah, I would like to be doing yeah. better his, than I'm uh, doing right now. Dalton Varsho, 7 for 41 uh, with three doubles. Matt Chapman, 6 for 33 with three doubles. Again, spring training Woo. spring training numbers. We yeah, always throw that out as a, as a caveat. You don't like to read anything into spring training numbers. I mean, we've all, we've all seen guys who had a great springs and then just stunk during the regular season. Conversely, we've all seen guys who have had bad springs. And once the, as my friend, Mr. Barker would say, once the lights get brightest, the switch goes on and, um, and they have better springs, but I'll, I'll ask you too. Jeff, I'm sorry, what better regular seen, seasons. Uh, Pardon me. Ver, ver, even if show gets left-handed, Pitching, okay, did, have you seen enough from him that he'll give you a competitive bat enough that you know he could flip us a uh, breaking ball down and away over the shortstop set? Uh, he's a dead pull hitter. Mm. You know, it's that left center to right field line. It's not even up the middle, which is what he'll have to do to keep him on the field. Now I know the Whit Merrifield in left field is probably going to be a thing, especially against left-handed pitching, and that's sort of <sighs> right. I don't. Is Brandon Belt going to face left-handed nah. pitching? Is Varsho uh, 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 Kiermaier is going to get an opportunity? because of the position he plays and where he hits in the order. Oh, my but goodness, listen. Those you, you, are some no, questions, right? Dalton Varsho has got to be in every – he's got to be in there every day. He has to be in oh, there every see. day for his defense. I don't care what he what he gives me offensively. He's got to be in there for his defense. Oh, it make, it that's going oh, to change. <clears throat> pardon me. It makes no point oh. to have Dalton Varsho on your team and then if he scuffles – you know, put him on the bench, it, and it, it's not going to happen. I'll, I'll tell you right he now. He was really bad against lefties last year. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. He, he had one home run out of his however many he hit last year. I don't care. I, you know what? 26. Good. One I can, homer against lefties. I can stick him in the nine spot and have him run down balls in the outfield, and at some point he's going to face a righty during the game anyhow. I mean, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? If, if, <clears throat> if he faces a lefty starter, two at-bats a game, I need his defense in the lineup, knowing that at some point I'm going to see a right-handed hitter. I, I don't want to see Whit Merrifield in left field. But you gave me a good segue here because one guy, again, spring training numbers, one guy I've been really impressed with this spring has been Whit Merrifield, who came into spring, Kevin, and I think he realized, I don't know if somebody said something to him or he was just smart enough to pick up on things. I think he came into spring training 
viewing himself as the everyday second baseman, and he's approached Spring that way. He, he's he's been real. I I think he might fully comfortable this year. He might have a really good year for this team. I'm not going to say he's going to win a batting title, but he might have a real good year for this team. If you look at the bottom of their order, I think he's going to have to. I think he's the one guy. We talk about surprises. Good teams, championship teams have that guy. Have he's, that guy that you didn't really expect. You think now, it might be the you, guy. You expect a little bit from him. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think he's more – you said one thing, comfortable. I, I think he is more comfortable this season than he was when he when they picked him up last year and coming in. He's trying too hard, and he got off to a slow start in Kansas City and you know, mechanically just wasn't there, and you get in your head, and you're trying to figure things out. And, oh, by the way, now you go to a team who's trying to win a championship and you speed everything up. He's had a little time to walk away from that, take a deep breath, exhale, figure out mechanically what he's trying to do, why he wasn't getting barreled to baseball. That just looks better to me. I'm with you. I think he's going to play a ton. Uh, is he the everyday second baseman? Seems that way. Seems like he's going to get an opportunity just because of Espinal and Biggio. Just seem like they're better coming off the bench, and and you can you know not expose them as much if they were everyday guys. So he makes more sense being the everyday guy. But I will I think you you'll see him maybe if you have to in center. You could see him in left field because of what Varsho may not be doing. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I think he's a, a veteran guy who knows himself, who was trying too hard. And everybody comes into that, Jeff, where, you know, you just come to a team and you're expected to do things. You're expected to get on base. You're expected to – when your nickname is two-hit wit and you ain't getting no hits, uh, you try too hard. And I, I do think that was what he was going through last year. And if there's one guy – you would look at that that maybe he could have a I don't want to say breakout year but but a year that you can count on him getting on base stealing some bases doing some things being electric playing with his hair on fire maybe he's the guy yeah he uh is a guy who immediately to my way of thinking anyhow has really stood out this spring as as someone who might be capable of being that player that gives you more being that everyday player that gives you more than you than you expected i i think if he's getting older you may you, you might have thought he, he lost bat speed this gives you something it's like you say kikuchi coming in yeah. and having a, a good spring gives you confidence as a fan gives you confidence as an organization that you made the right choice and he can do the things that you're asking him to do because of he is getting a little older right it's maybe last year they felt like uh, well you know you're doing it in kansas city's one thing you do it on a contending team which you're expected to do it and now you're a tick older and that's what i said you got to be careful about what you're saying about spring training and does it really matter and it's it's spring training look these guys are coming over here chapman is you know he's expected to do a ton uh, maybe hitting 30 would get him 200 million i don't know but kevin Maybe he's tried too hard, too. So it's an interesting thought. Uh, remind me, by the way, because uh, I, I do uh, just had another thought here, but I did want to ask you something when you were talking about Matt Chapman. Uh, Pete Walker mentioned that at this time of the year, you like to see things ramp up a bit. You like to see, he likes to see his pitchers appro- uh, approach every situation as if it's a game situation. Same thing for hitters. Or is it different? Absolutely. Is it different for hitter? Absolutely. Like, do you? Absolutely. Is there a point where you got to where you have to ramp it up and you go to the manager and say, "I'd like four at bats today." You know, like I'd I, like I, I want to ramp like this up. I'd like to see up. what I was. Do- 
I was like, I'd like to see what I was doing in the off season is translating between the lines. And now I'm, I'm because now you're starting to face the other team's better guys. You're not facing dudes with 88 on the back of their, their Jersey. And they're trying to make a team and impress and overthrowing and choking off sliders and pitches you've never seen before. Now it's what you're doing off the fields translating. And that's what we get back to that toe tap thing. I it's, it's a hurry move. I don't know why that's how, what he picked to, to change. I, who knows? It sounds like he's worked a lot with the Bichettes and and that he was sort at that of, Troy you know, Tulowitz that Troy Tulowitzki camp in in Texas, wasn't he? With Bichette Tulowitzki. Yeah, it sounds like that's what they came yeah. up with. That, that wouldn't have been what I what I would have suggested, just because it's a hurry move, right? It's it's when you're in a hurry, what's what's what happens? Your hands follow your lower half. When that happens, you lose barrel awareness, and your barrel's playing catch up. And when it plays catch up, you either swing and miss, or you don't put the big part of the barrel to the baseball. So. I just don't really understand why that's it, and that's what sort of what you're seeing is, now is it's her, it's in a hurry, and he's trying to force it and figure it out. Which is there's eight days left to spring training. It's spring training over the twenty eighth, and it's go time. Kev. So you'd like to start to see him, you know, take the pitch the way it's he's supposed to take it, and start to when he gets a good one, hammer that thing early in the count, not always in two strike counts. We saw the game end yesterday when uh, Jaron Rudd was called out for uh, pitch. For a pitch clock violation. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you this about Matt Chapman. Mm. Is it, do you think, a good idea for Matt Chapman to be doing something like that in this day and age of the pitch clock? Because it's already going to be rushed, right? You're, 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 as a hitter, you're probably already going to be rushed because of the pitch clock. And I'm going to expand this beyond, not just to talk about Matt Chapman, but in general, if you were a hitter and you're working on a trigger, like it's all about timing. And it seems to me that now more than ever, matching your timing to the pitcher's timing, it's, it's, it's almost like an, an impossible game right now because a guy can throw with two seconds left. The guy can throw with 11 seconds. Guy can throw with eight. I'm just wondering about that. Is it, if 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 you were a hitter, would you almost find yourself in between once the season starts? Because pitchers, you know, pitchers are going to know that Matt Chapman's quote unquote working on something. They're going to try to take advantage of that. They're going to try to use the pitch clock against him. I guess what I'm getting at is is it is it a smart thing to try to do that? Okay, let's be honest. Now, I'm sure at the the end of the season meeting last year that Akaki was in the room with Matt Chapman and said, "You need a trigger." Like, like that, that's going to help you make more contact. The more contact you make, the harder you're going to hit baseballs because we've seen it. When you put a ball in play, you hit the ball hard. And you need just a little bit more contact. And that's what they're trying to do, at least early in counts, is give him a little bit of a load to have to get in an athletic position to have better separation sooner so he sees the ball better, so he can make better contact, which helps him and helps the organization and the team win more baseball games. I don't think that's a thing. What you're talking about is the timing part of it. I Look, they knew this coming. I, that's yeah. my point is it's like, it's like you're, you're, you, he's not a guy that's going to walk around, fix the batting gloves, you know, cl- clean out the sweat and his, the brim of his, of his helmet. It's not one of those guys. Like he's a, he's basically a guy that's going to lift his back foot in the batter's box. He's going to do what it takes. It's just that fast move that 
for me, for whatever reason, that's that's what he chose. I would, for me, it'd be easier just to have a little mini leg kick that would set the anchor. Your anchor is your back leg. That's the point in having a trigger is to feel your lower half. You want to be able to feel the anchor back and forth. It's like a good dancer. Good dancers just don't stand still and do it because it looks weird and it's not comfortable. Hitters are no different. You got to have whatever your feet do, everything else is going to do. And for that to be a hurried up move, I just, look, he's trying to get paid. Jeff, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know it and everybody else knows it. And he thinks this is the best way he's going to do it because when he makes contact, he hits the ball really hard. And, is only time will tell, but again, I, I I think we shouldn't be too worried about it because he is a smart guy, and there's a bunch of smart people running the Blue Jays organization that will help him and show him better things to help him get to where he needs to be to make solid contact and more solid contact. I would think, though, if you really walked up to him and went, hey, man, would you like to see translating on the field? He'd be like, heck yeah, because it ain't. I mean, look at my numbers. It's just, it's not translating because it seems like I'm in a hurry. And I don't know about you, Jeff, but whenever I watch him hit, whenever I watch him do it, he's thinking it through. He ain't thinking about C-ball, hit-ball, because he's one of those guys that has to simplify it so much that it's just, I see the ball, I swing it at my pitch, I hit-ball. It's that simple. It seems to me like, uh uh-oh, it's too slow, it's too soon, it's too late. My front foot's not on on time. Now my barrel, where's it at? He's doing all that thinking instead of simplifying it and see ball, hit ball. So, yeah, it's a long-winded answer of I'm thinking he's a little worried about it, and he might think about it's like the Barrios thing. You don't think Barrios is a little, <laughs> uh-oh. Mm. Boy, all those things in the offseason I was doing sure didn't work against some good lineups early in the game. Now what do I do? The... Uh... Fifth starter spot, I guess, will come into focus a little bit uh, this week. Mitch White is expected to be in a game this week, we believe. And uh, he's been a little bit behind. Uh, and, and, of course, you say Kikuchi's continuing his preparation, Kevin, on uh, Saturday in, a eight, in an 8-1 loss to the Phils in Dunedin. The Jays were, had a split squad game in Dunedin and in Clearwater, lost the game in Clearwater 4-2, lost the game in Dunedin 8-1. Three and a third innings, three walks, three strikeouts, 76 pitches, 46 strikes. Uh, John Schneider, after the game, saying that the point of emphasis for Yusei Kikuchi in this game was the execution of his breaking ball. They seemed happy with it. Uh, I, I think it was... I think we're seeing in the past couple of starts from Yusei Kikuchi... It, we're starting to see a little more of what we saw last year in terms of results, aren't we? Well, it's one thing to to have your stuff look like it looks against Pittsburgh. It's another thing to have it look like it does against the Phillies. And that, for me, is where the velocity comes back into play. The velocity, for me, is just not there. And when you're not velocity's not there, that means location has to be almost perfect. And that's why you're hearing John say, we're looking at the breaking ball. We want the breaking ball to have later tunnel where it looks like the fastball longer and then it breaks off the table more. Do you see that, Jeff? I don't see that. That for me is why if you're left-handed and you could throw 97 consistently 
That would only benefit you and make your secondary pitches that much better. And that's what we're not seeing. You can get away with that stuff when you're facing Pittsburgh. When you're facing the Phillies, who could possibly, when everybody's healthy, have the best lineup in baseball. That stuff ain't going to work, and that for me is where that's why you're the number five guy, and that's why you're pounding and yelling and screaming and saying, okay, if he was doing the 98-99 a couple of years ago, how come he ain't doing it now? And I think that's where they're sort of at with this is where you're hearing it that they may want him to sort of pitch backwards when it comes to – you know, when you have to throw a couple of breaking balls in a row and then elevate the fastball, go down and away with the fastball. If you're miss, miss off the plate, those kind of things. So, yeah, I think he's a number five guy for a reason, Jeff. Uh, well, here's something that we can talk about, Kevin. Nick Crawl is the general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, he was on Jim Bowden's show on MLB Network Radio. And uh, I presume that was this morning. Nick Crawl told Jim Bowden that uh, the Reds' plan is for Joey Votto to finish his career as a Red. However, if the Reds, and again, this is Jim Bowden reporting what Nick Crawl, the GM, has said. However, if the Reds are out of it at the trade deadline and Votto came to them and asked if they would trade him home to Toronto, he said he would consider trading him under those circumstances. Now, let me just ask you this. That doesn't mean that's going to happen. But if you're Ross Atkins, wouldn't you just assume Nick Kral shut up? Because basically, you know, you know that the watch is on now. For Joey Votto? Yes, it's on. I mean, the Reds GM has basically said he would trade him to the Blue Jays. That doesn't mean the Blue Jays want him, but, 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 I guarantee it'll come up at the trade deadline. Oh. I just think it's, I I don't know why a guy would say that. I, I just, first of all, yeah, it makes sense. But why would you say it? Yeah. It makes sense for it, who? It makes sense more sense for the Reds than it does the Blue Jays. Yeah, my point is no. It makes sense that, you know what? It makes sense that if you, Joey Votto came to you and said, hey, I want to go to my hometown team, you'd try to work out a deal. Then you'd bring Joey Votto back next year. Or you'd let him retire a Red. I mean, but the point is, why say it? I, it's just, some things are better left unsaid. Some things are better left yeah, I guess. unsaid. I guess. I mean, this does nothing for the Blue Jays organization. or Ross That's a Atkins pain in the ass for the Blue Jays. It's just it a, nut, it's a pain it really, in the ass. Was it, why? Why? Like, I, I again, you got the, the Blue Jays are a championship team. You would have to have a major reason to bring in a Joey Votto, who, quite frankly, is at the end. Like, it's uh, what, 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 would, what benefit would he be right now? Because he'd have to sit over there for three or four days and not play I, and either listen, pinch hit or missing, DH you're missing, once you're, every you're, three you're, or four days. You're missing the point. The, the point not I'm really. saying – no, no, no. The point I'm saying I'm is – Atkins. I don't care what the, what the organization for the Reds say. I don't care. Why would mm-hmm. I care? 
Fan base. Why would I bring care Joey what, home? What they fan say about base, Joey Votto. Fan base will want to bring right, Joey home. Say, say, say all you want to say. We and, want and Joey. The, the, the fan, the fan base for the Blue Jays should all be happy that the Blue Jays are in it to win. I it. know. Anyhow, like that. That's what it's all about. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Is, is, if I'm Ross, I laugh about that. I'm like, that's good. I'm glad yeah, he wants to come here. Laugh We've got about a really it. good team and a great organization. And oh, by the, the way, you don't. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's why wait, Joey wants to yeah, come wait, here. Wait till he gets asked about it for the 14th time on on. Uh, Who will get asked? July 28th. Ross, Ross, are you had any talks with the Reds about Joey Votto? Oh, be quiet. That's a short answer for me. It's an easy answer. It's a short answer. Uh, the back leg line is open, 416-413-3959. Uh, questions, comments for Kevin Barker? He's still down in Florida for a couple of days. He'll be back in studio Friday, but he's still down in Florida for a couple of days. So uh, if you've got an assignment for Kevin, something you really, 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 really desperately want to find out and you haven't been able to determine so far, uh, leave Kevin Leave Kevin the assignment, and uh, we'll go through them and, and pick out one that is especially, uh, one that especially annoys Kevin. That's probably the best way to put it. That's probably the best way to put it. The World Baseball Classic continues today. Japan against Mexico. Do you think the commissioner's office, Kevin, is a little excited about the possibility of Japan and the United States in the World Baseball Classic? No. No question. That's a that perfect could, case scenario. It is a perfect, perfect case, case scenario. scenario. It is a perfect case scenario. Uh, and that very much is 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 in the cards. The uh, the U.S. has uh, has advanced, and um, of course, in that game, uh, Jose Altuve was hit by a Daniel Bard pitch and uh, fractured his thumb, and he's out for a good length of time. We've already seen Edwin Diaz get hurt as well. It begs the yeah, question: that managing thing ain't, ain't ain't real easy when the lights are the brightest, is it? What? It begs the question: Is the risk? The players who are doing this, again, they're, they're not being dragged. This is all volunteer. Is the risk to the players worth the reward for baseball? We've got some thoughts on it. I know that our next guest has thoughts on it as well. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal, the podcast with David Sampson. He's CBS Sports Analyst. He's also formerly president of the Miami Marlins. He joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trey Turner's America's shortstop. Wow. What a swing. Boy, he is locked in. I mean, I think the fix is in here, Barker. You think so? Yeah, the U.S. beat Cuba to advance to the final of the World Baseball Classic. They'll play the winner, Japan, and Mexico tomorrow. Je- Venezuela, Jeff, my is pick. is it bad? My pick to end the oh, team uh, to win the tournament, Venezuela. Uh, lost to the U.S. in a game that was cl- clearly the fix was in. Is it make me a bad person whenever I saw Trey Turner hit that homer? The first thing I thought of was, boy, he'd look good in the Jays uni playing shortstop. 
Does that make me a bad person, Jeff? Yeah, it does. Because now we're going to have people <laughs> call up the line and say, you know, if they move Bo Bichette to second base, and and you've just o- unnecessarily uh, opened already, a can he's of already worms. Been, he's, already, he's already been paid. You've just unnecessarily unnecessarily opened a opened a big can of worms. Well, he's a good player though. Whew. A lot of good players in that that team. Oh, that that lineup is uh, who cares if it's right-handed. <laughs> I got to be honest, we that's the first thing I thought of too is man how right-handed they are. Does it matter? Not no. really. No, not when you got like, like a, it is, like, it is crazy like, how good they are. When you have 5 MVPs in the lineup, it doesn't matter what they hit. David Sampson of host of nothing is uh, host of nothing personal the podcast with David Sampson. He's also CBS Sports analyst, former president of the Miami Marlins joins us on Blair and Barker. Mr. Sampson, I'm going to ask you this is the risk of player now I'm going to use your I'm going to use one of your phrases. When it comes to the WBC, is the juice worth the squeeze? So not yet, but we're almost there. Can you explain that? Let me explain. When we started the WBC, got it must be back in 2000 and 2006 was the first one. I'm trying to remember the first time it was ever discussed. But the origin of it is that baseball had been kicked out of the Olympics, and so. This was a way to get a World Cup-style tournament that we would control as a league that would be a revenue generator for our TV broadcast partners and bring extra spring revenue to specific teams. What it's grown into after some fits and starts and some inconsistencies where it was three years between the first and the second and now six years since 2017 – what I think this year is we're finally seeing is that there's a chance this could become like the World Cup and generate even more money than we thought. So the injuries that are happening uh, are very upsetting to owners because of all the money they spend on injured players anyway. But what baseball does is they give the money back to the owners for players who get hurt during the WBC, which doesn't happen for injuries happening during spring training or the regular season. And on top of that, they distribute money to all the teams that is profit from the WBC. So all in all, there's good economic reason. There's good revenue reason for the industry. And now it's really good competition too. Is this thing making a lot of money? More now than it did because you're seeing ticket revenue go up, prices go up. Uh, It was not extraordinarily profitable in the beginning, but it is definitely getting better. David, you ever think they would change the dates on when they would happen, when they would want to play it? Yeah, that was the biggest debate. One of the things the commissioner's office asked is whether or not our committee would consider doing the WBC during the All-Star break and eliminating the All-Star game every four years. So you play three All-Star games and then a WBC and then three All-Star games and a WBC. And we would have agreement with the players' union because we would name All-Stars so they would get their bonuses, they'd get to use it in arbitration, etc. But we would play the games during the break. The problem is that the players were not all that interested in playing during the All-Star break. And you see that with the All-Star game where many players just don't want to be a part of it. So many of them said we don't want to lose that break. So then we thought about postseason, but then you're looking at players who don't want to play in November if they didn't play at all in October 
because then they're at risk of injury. And if they do play in October, they want to break and don't want to play in November. So that didn't work. So the best solution is March. The problem is, as you watch these games, this is like mid-season to late-season effort, but it's early-season conditioning. See, I was... You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking back to when this this concept first came about. And and there was an I believe there was an idea floated and I kind of liked it. And that idea was play the preliminary round games in spring training. Then at the All-Star break, over the course of 3 or 4 days, play the two semifinals, play the final, and you know if you want to have a home run derby, Structure it around the semi, you know, first round after one semifinal, second round after another semifinal, an hour, two hours before the WBC final, boom, here we go with the home run derby. And, you know, and at the same time, even though you're not playing an all-star game, go ahead with the all-star selection so the players can get their bonuses and it can come up in arbitration. Could you see that ever working? Because that seems to be a neat way of kind of splitting this up. I really like that idea, but the objection to that is when you have, it would be like splitting the World Cup up. Mm. And so while trying to really copy soccer and, and all the popularity it has, think about it. If you got all the way to the semifinals in the World Cup, there's this total frenzy from the group play and pool play. And then all of a sudden it just stops for months. Players go back to their teams and then they reconvene again. We just didn't see that splitting it it was going to do anything for the level of competition. And again, I go back to the issue of players wanting breaks during the all-star break. We talked about shutting the sport down for two weeks and doing it during the season, which now the NBA is talking about mid-season tournaments. Mm-hmm. You could be looking at baseball thinking about doing this, but the problem is you can't shut down a baseball team for that long because of the pitching. You can't have pitchers not pitching, and you can't do simulated games or backfield games like they do in spring training. That really doesn't work to keep pitchers sharp. David, if, if I were on the bubble, and if, and if they had 26-man roster whenever you were in the front office, I wonder, and this is my question, say that there's a guy like the Blue Jays have in Otto Lopez, and he goes to the WBC, which he did, and he had a good couple of games. Would that weigh you in any direction as a front office to help him be on your opening day roster? Or does it matter? No. No, it really doesn't matter. Not what's so, no. no, it really doesn't. So we're looking at the construction of the roster. We're looking at what the payroll is. We're looking to see the number of minor league invites with split contracts. Those are the guys you bring in who, if they don't make the team, they're done, or they agree to go to the minor leagues at at a minimum. But if they make the team, they're above the minimum, like let's say a million and a half dollars or $2 million. So you're trying to fit in those players into your final payroll, deciding which players have options, which players don't. An option enables you to keep the player in your system and send him to the minor leagues. But when you don't have options, if that player doesn't make your team, then you risk losing that player to another team through the waiver process. So those are the issues that are far more important to the roster construction than a few good games in the WBC. 
David, what's your David? Re- do you like the twenty six guy? Sorry, sorry, no, Jeff. Just one last fine. question about the twenty six yeah, yeah, guy. Fine. David, do you like that twenty six guy? Because I, I was always when I was playing. If you were on the twenty five man roster, that was a cool thing, right? You'd made it <laughs> to a whole different level. And now they've added that twenty six guy. Because uh, David, I was that guy. I was the twenty six guy, and I tell the Jeff this all the time. How many chances I would have had to make opening day rosters if they would have had this when I played? You being an ex front office guy. Do you like that extra guy added to the roster? But the guy next to you now would say, I'm the 27th guy, and I came so close. What if there were 27? Then I'd be the guy <laughs> who would have gotten so many chances. So where, where do you stop? I like having the extra arm. I don't like having the extra player uh, because it, the big difference is that the teams with the higher payrolls, their extra guy is going to be a well-paid guy, and our extra guy is going to be a minimum guy. And so when I look at that was my whole reason I was against the DH in addition to loving National League Baseball, because DHs make more than minimum guys. And so we're going to be competing against teams. We're going to give $10 million to a DH and we're going to give 500 grand to a DH. So that was always my problem with it. And I view the the extra man on the roster the same way. David, do you like the rules changes we've seen so far and the impact of those rules changes? And and do you think that, you know, do you think that that this is sort of the start of a brave new world and that the relative <laughs> well the you know what the relative comfort I'm seeing from players with some of these new rules kind of if I'm the commissioner's office or the rules committee I'm thinking man these guys have adapted we can we can maybe push this thing a little farther too Well let me start with the first one I love the new rules but I don't know the impact yet Okay so you can't say after a few games of spring training I love all these new stats that stolen bases are up and runs are up and strikeouts are down or whatever they're saying time of game is down to 222 none of that really will matter once the regular season starts I think that if the games go from 306 where they were last year down to 245 or 250 that would be an unbelievable move I think the games look like they flow better but it's spring training so mm. they don't flow well to begin with So I I really don't know what to say. And I think that baseball will tell you, if they were telling the truth, that they can't evaluate these changes for at least a season. But what they secretly say, it takes two seasons to really look at stats and have a big enough sample size to see what's actually happening. But we're looking for certain things. If you have a left fielder uh, play short right field, so it's like the shift, and that happens, and a lot of teams do it this year, MLB will adjust that rule and make sure that the left fielder can't do that. Uh, I love the fact that the shift is gone, even though I was frustrated with players for not just hitting against the shift and they would have to bring me to the cage and explain how hard that is. I love the pitch clock, but I think 15 and 20 is actually too long. I think that it doesn't impact as many pitchers as you think anecdotally when you're watching, when you actually look at the number of pitchers who violate that on a regular basis, it's not very many. I love the batter having to stay in the batter's box. It always drove me insane, sort of the Nomar Garcia-Para batting glove adjustments. Uh, And I would always yell, let's go from the box or from my seat because you want action. So I love what I'm seeing, but I just don't know the impact yet. David, how much do spring training stats matter to a front office, especially on a contending team like the Blue Jays? Zero. Don't worry about your record. Don't worry about who's hitting well, who's not hitting well. Winning in spring training does not lead to winning in the regular season. There is zero correlation. A great spring training does not lead to a great uh, season. You remember Abraham Nunez? Yes. Is that naming anything to you? 
Yes. He was, we had him, and I don't remember whether it was Expos or Marlins, and I think he had like 70 home runs during spring training. And we all thought this is unbelievable. Normally we don't evaluate in March, but let's, this guy, maybe he's done it. And, of course, that wasn't the case. So I would say that uh, front offices are really using spring training to get their teams ready and for the players to be ready. But all this talk about who's going to be the fifth starter, who's going to make the team out of spring, we do a team meeting at the end of spring and tell the players, uh, you're not all going to be here the entire season. There's injuries. There's things that happen. So if you're missing uh, the team or don't make it out of spring, you better stay ready because you're going to be needed throughout the course of this season. So it's not as big a deal as people make it seem. David, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, my friend. Great stuff. Hey, Thank have you, a great David. day. You too. Bye-bye. That's David nice. Sampson, host of Nothing Personal, the podcast with David Sampson. He's also CBS Sports Analyst, and you can follow him on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Uh, he's bringing a lot of insight. Uh, it's very... It's, no very, it's very rare that you can get insight from somebody who's been in a sat in an ownership meeting, and uh, we appreciate David's insight. And it is the whole genesis of the World Baseball Classic. It, and one of the things, Kevin and I were talking about this a little bit, one of the things people need to remember is it is, it is a formal partnership. It is a business arrangement between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. Um, and, and, uh, it, and it was at the time... When it was struck, I can remember there was a lot of talk that while this is going to usher in a new world of, uh, of, of cooperation between the players and owners, uh, look, the most recent labor stoppage notwithstanding, I think those of us of a certain age will tell you that labor relations are generally more advanced than they were 30 years ago. And I really do believe the WBC is one of those, one of those particular reasons. But uh, it, it, will be, it will be interesting to see Kevin, when the numbers, are, especially if Japan and the U.S. meet in the final, the TV numbers in Japan will be outrageous. And it'll they be interesting be. to see the economic impact of it. Yeah, I, it'd be interesting for me to see the, the superstar now that a couple of superstars have been injured. Will that matter? I don't think it will. Oh. I, and I think I think the guy on the bubble who is trying to to get the big deal. I don't think you'll you'll see a ton of those guys going to these things because if they get hurt, they miss a half a year. It'd be real hard for them to make the, mo- the amount of money that they're trying to make. But the established guy like Altuve, Diaz, those dudes are getting paid big time money. So, yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun, Jeff. I don't know about you. But I'm tuning in to watch it. I'm like, I'm, it I'm working around that part of the day to watch. Like, I'm going to watch the game tonight because yeah. it's a big deal and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. So the back leg line is always open. The number is 416-413-3959. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. Leave us an assignment for Kevin Barker. We have an assignment today for Kevin. Adam in Ottawa called us and left us this little nugget. I have a question about Ross Stripling. Um you know, you guys talk a lot about the need for a fifth starter in the rotation or a swingman if things don't go right with Kikuchi or with Barrios uh, in the starting rotation. Ross Stripling really seemed to fit the bill, and it seemed like the Jays just let him walk so quickly. So what's the deal there? Is there something more that uh, why they didn't make more of an effort to keep Ross? Thanks a lot. Bye. Kevo? Jeff, what if I know the answer already? I know you know the answer. I'm going to ask you to give it to me. 
You don't you need to, to do research to on this. Yeah. You want me to give it to you now? Yeah. It's about money. R- Ross thought he was worth more than what the Blue Jays were willing to give you. And there was a little bit of that. You say Kikuchi would give him three for 36. Do we really want to give another guy who's similar to that? And can he back it up, do it back-to-back years? No, he, and I don't want to have I don't want to have pie in the face twice. Yeah, he's that's, also, sort of what it, that's sort of what it was. Sure, right? he was also a free agent, and he's closer to home. In California, that's what happens. In yeah, I don't think agent. that's what it was. If, if the Blue Jays would have offered him more money, he a Blue Jay. But they weren't going to do that. Yeah. It's about money. And I think you're right. I think the uh, e- even with you know even with the payroll that this 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 organization is running now, the ten million dollars is still ten million ten million dollars. Sure. Right. That's and a good relief a, pitcher. It, it's as simple as that. And uh, yeah, I, listen. I think it's very clear. If you, I, well, I'll just say this: if you say Kikuchi isn't on this team, Ross Stripling's here. I'll leave it at that. And I'm not blaming. Yeah. I'm not blaming you. Say Kikuchi. I think that's well said. I think that's well said. If he's not here, yeah. uh, if if you say Kikuchi isn't here, you know what? I'll even go further. I guarantee you, Ross Stripling would have had a contract in season last year if you say Kikuchi wasn't here. Wow! I guarantee you that. Guarantee. Guarantee. Just as I guaranteed Venezuela was going to win the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> Who you got today, Kevin? Come on now. Who you got today? I got Japan. And yeah. you know who I'm picking to win the whole thing. Don't even ask. You're picking Japan. Absolutely not. I no. think I think the lineup for the United States is something else. You're a home. We haven't seen a lineup like that in maybe ever. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Trey Turner's hitting ninth is all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to all those USA, USA, USA texts that I get from you. I just, I'm going to turn the phone off during the game. Seriously, people, you should see the texts I get from this guy (laughs) that I've been getting during during the U.S. games in the World Baseball. I just, I just, I put the phone away because it's just, it's. You deserve it. Yeah. Anyhow. You'll be back here on Friday. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to you, Kevin. We're, we've got our arms wide open for you. And who the hell knows? I mean, with, with, uh, with, with Trump apparently being saying he's going to be arrested, you may, you may be fleeing insurrection in the United States by the time you get up here, especially in Florida now, because you know that those folks in Florida, they like him some Trump. It's the baseball show, Jeff. All right, Mr. Barker, thanks for doing this. Thanks for all of you, uh, to all of you for listening to us, for uh, Mark, for Lance, for Jen, for all of us here at Blair and Barker. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow, 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. You can subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. Happy first day of spring. We'll talk tomorrow.